Welcome everyone to Heroes of Gaming, the podcast channel that talks with the people who make the games we love. This week, our hero is a senior environment artist whose vision and skill create immersive worlds that captivate a player's mind into the style and character of a game. Her talents have transported us to cavernous mountains, boulder-broken deserts, lush alien forests, and frost-encased mansions. Her unique design technique crosses genres that draws in the pro-arena warrior or the casual open-world traveler. She is the one who brings the story depth, texture, and life. We are so honored to have her with us today. Lisa Fleck, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Yeah, we're really excited to have you. So Lisa, tell us, what is so fascinating about nature and the world around us? Nature's amazing. It's just amazing to like be in it. It's, it's inspiring for what I do. Um, I didn't always know I wanted to be an environment artist. I, I loved games, but going through school and uh, Full Sail, actually, they, they kind of throw you in and, and give you lots of different things you could do. You could do character art or animation, and, and you start to kind of realize those tool sets that go into each avenue. And that's when I was like, well, environment it's awesome because you can do everything like so character you're, you're specializing in like anatomy and and you really are like the expert on that type of stuff but environment it's like okay well I want to learn about rocks now and figure out how they form <laughs> and like trees and, and it's just like it's really just studying the whole picture and putting it all together and to make it feel alive is is super fun um, so yeah, I just feel like I'm always doing something different, like architecture too, just reading about the history of architecture and learning those terminology. One of my sisters is actually an architect, so it's funny because we can share some vocabulary that only her and I really <laughs> like, care about, you know, like what's a dormer and what's a coin and <laughs> a buttress. Yeah. Um, what is yeah. it? What is a dolmer? What is that? Uh, oh, a dolmer? It's like the little roof. Okay, so when you're looking at a house and you see like little mini roofs coming off of the roof that look like that are over windows. Yeah. So that's a dormer. It's like a roofed window, basically. <sighs> so cool. <laughs> that's so cool. And yeah. it's, it's so it's not just about the architecture of buildings. It's also the architecture of 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 nature. You know, they 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 say nature doesn't build in straight lines. Oh well, yeah. You know, environmental artists can't either. Yeah, exactly. And you you have to really think about, like, how things got to where they were, right? Like, So, like, when I'm, I'm, like, set dressing a landscape, I'm I'm honestly, like, channeling my Bob Ross, you know? Did this rock, like, tumble down this mountain? Probably would have made a little pathway, and maybe there'd be, like, tiny rocks around it because it would have, you know crashed into that and and eroded in this way like just thinking about the way things erode yeah there's just a lot of really fun I love I love all that stuff oh wow how 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 fascinating (laughs) how interesting that that you actually write little miniature stories about what takes place yeah and that's it sell it right like if if you're just kind of you know placing stuff willy-nilly it doesn't it doesn't quite feel right. Um, and a lot of people won't know why, <laughs> but it's just like, yeah, you have to kind of like, okay, this cliff kind of broke off here and landed down here and made a little river and, and the rivers itself going to carve out its own path. And yeah, it's just, yeah. <laughs> Nature so fa- has patterns and we have to try and emulate that in a game. Yeah. yeah. That's fantastic. The sculpting of these choices are they are they all left up to you as a senior environmental artist? Like you get to just kind of take the lead on it? 
Well, so it depends. Uh, so I've worked at a bunch of different studios and, and based on the size usually is, is, is if I get to really control the, the like story behind stuff at all. So a lot of times there might be like a story to this map, like, oh, uh, these gremlins came in after some kind of flooding event and you know, now it's, they've just built up this land. It used to be flooded, but it's, it's now like a desert. And so they'll give me the background there. And then, and oftentimes if there's a, a concept artist involved, they'll kind of run with that and just start doing these like mood boards, or just like bigger, grander ideas, mood boards. And at that point, we're trying to just establish the look and the feel of the zone. And once that part is done, they'll usually throw it to like, someone like me, like the senior environment artist uh, or more granular concept artist to really like pick apart and start detailing little individual pieces like at that point we could probably start doing like some of the modular stuff like this is what the rock set will probably look like since we have like okay if it's going to be a desert we're going to probably do some desert rocks but those rocks can itself be stylized so I've worked on a lot of stylized games so it's not just it's not just like, oh, reference, oh, look, look up the desert. What does that look like? It's more like, what do we want our rocks to look like just at all? <laughs> right. So like the right. concept artist will kind of run with that idea. Um, and then from there, we can start making the modular set stuff. Um, so that's kind of how like a, I would say like a mid-sized level team op- operates. Um, if it's much smaller, which as I've, as I've been going like smaller and smaller teams, <laughs> A lot of that doesn't exist, right? So it's usually we'll have some kind of background and there might be one concept artist for the entire team. So his or her time will be shared with um, making characters and environments. Um, so a lot of that is kind of, yeah, like I have a little bit more like, what should this look like? Um, or, or Yeah, you know, like there's a lot more um, questions that have to be answered, right? Yeah, um, and that's part, of, that's part of the fun. And it seems like, when you have so much experience and you work with a smaller and smaller team, you're doing more work, but you're getting more uh, freedom to kind of yes, choose. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And I would say like the trajectory of that, like the way, so starting off in a bigger team is, is probably better because you're starting to learn more about game development just in general. Like there's a lot of performance things and collision things that you'll learn as just a junior artist and being a part of a, like a mid-level team like that, you, you learn, <laughs> you learn a lot about how just games are made in general. Um, so I imagine that would be a lot harder if you were starting out on a tiny team and had to learn it on your own. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, knowing the larger scope and workflow, I imagine is really helpful. If we could rewind a little bit back in your career, did you start uh, with the drawing skill? Was there any uh, skill sets that you kind of gravitated towards? Oh, yeah. So I was always drawing. Like, I always had just a sketchbook where I was just, you know, drawing stuff. So I've been drawing and painting from a very young age. I think, gosh, I remember, like, in elementary school or maybe it was middle school, Pokemon became a big thing. And I was just drawing Pokemon and giving people, like, you know, people would come up to me like, I want a Pikachu. And I would just draw them a Pikachu. (laughs) (laughs) Like, just give it away, whatever. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I was just always drawing. I was known as like the artist. And so, yeah. And then all through grade school, I was, or I mean, high school actually, where they let you take art classes and stuff. I maxed out all of my art classes. It was almost like a Hermione Granger situation where I didn't have enough time for other classes. And so they let me take my lunch period and add an art class 
that I wasn't even like allowed to take because <laughs> it was supposed to be like something that was like I had to take a there's like a 3D um, clay class there, but you were supposed to take the prerequisite before you're allowed to go to the AP version. And like I was just like, well, I don't have time to do that. Like, I had to take both of those classes at the same time. And then one of them was during my lunch period as like a <laughs> an extra independent class, basically. Wow. Yeah. What 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 dedication? What what diligence? And and yeah, the, the the focus on on your passion that is so that is so wonderful. Yeah, Hermione Granger is no joke. You know? <laughs> yeah, we I was, could I be was killed or worse, expelled. <laughs> yeah, you know? I love it. I was it. an intense school child. <laughs> Were you taking a sketchbook out there with you, or a canvas um, and easel? Yeah, no, I mean, I definitely would. <laughs> uh, I would, you know, my my skills probably weren't quite as up to snuff, but uh, you know, I was drawing whatever I could. I would also draw from reference too. Um, so yeah, like like drawing the Pokemon and just you know, it's all it all kind of adds up, right? Like if you're practicing your your eye and your form, reference is super important for that. Oh yeah. And drawing from life too like that's a that's a pretty early skill that they even just teach you in art classes is drawing from still life because it's some it's like a muscle you have to work out so <laughs> yeah, you get better like, with it <laughs> yeah i mean i was like okay like people like during reset having fun and running around and i would usually be like sitting and drawing or reading a book or <laughs> like being being a nerdy kid <laughs> Awesome. Awesome. Nerds rule the world now. So like yeah. jokes on them. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Introverts. Woo-hoo. The jump from high school to college, was it uh, just straight to full sale? Was there some time in between? Uh, yeah, no, it was pretty much straight to full sale. Um, so yeah, I started there when I was 18. It had been like a buildup of knowing I wanted to go to art school. So yeah, like I want to say like my my junior or senior year, I'd already started like looking at what, what schools that I wanted to go to. One of them was DigiPen in Washington. But then mm-hmm. I decided on full sale because my mom was like, you can't move that far away. So I'm originally from Buffalo, New York. And she's like, Florida is the farthest, <laughs> <laughs> which is still pretty freaking far. It's across yeah. the country. yeah the jump to drawing to video games that's an interesting jump i mean why didn't you go to you know sculpting or pursue pursue painting right so yeah that's another so i i definitely had a really big interest in playing games as a kid um and like i said i have three older sisters so really none of them were into playing games so i knew it was like something right like i had some something there that that was driving me and so my parents didn't really buy us console so when I was very young I had to just kind of like my neighbors had the Super Nintendo and or my cousins sometimes so I very rarely got to play as like a young young kid mm-hmm. um, and then when the N64 came out I think it was around like eight or nine or ten and I had like a little bit of money saved up and I bought my <laughs> N64. This is something I like to do and I don't ever get to do it. So yeah, that was like my first foray into really playing, like having a console to play. Um, We definitely had, my parents did, so I'll give them credit. They did buy us a Sega Genesis handheld, but we had like zero games for it. We had like a, we had Sonic and Ren and Stimpy game and they're both super hard. Yeah, Yeah. those are really difficult games. For the Game Gear, that is a... Yeah, (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, that's a, those are tough games. But but the environments, especially in the Sonic games, those are incredible. Yeah, yeah. So I like I didn't even start probably at that age. I wasn't even realizing that games were a profession. Like I don't know really when that started to click with me. Oh, I can actually do something like this. I think that was probably when I was older. So I, the first like memory I have of like, ooh, that's a job was, um, gosh, there was like some behind the scenes of. Bethesda. I don't know if it was like for Skyrim, but I remember like there was a documentary or, or some little video that I'd seen and it was like texture artists going out hiking, taking pictures of like leaves and using that for textures and talking about it. Oh crap. Like yeah. that sounds amazing, which is hilarious because you don't really do that now. Like there's photogrammetry, but like, <laughs> you're, you're Googling stuff, you know, you're not going out into nature and <laughs> Right, Taking that's like a major studio that, like, you know, flies <laughs> them on top of a mountain and you know yeah, all that other yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. So but you're really right. A... Yeah, I think I did see that too. That's crazy. Yeah, and I remember being like, oh, okay, so that's a thing people do, and I love being outside, and I love nature. <laughs> so, wow. um... <laughs> so that was that. Was that it then? The the behind the scenes of the uh, I think of that, the I think uh, Elder Scrolls. Was. Yeah, I think it was because I. That's when I started realizing it was like a job and I, you know, I was at that point I was older. So I was definitely really interested in games. Um, Zelda Ocarina of Time. I think I was like very, very obsessed with that. I would go to school and like be just watching the clock until I could go home and play more and like yeah. figure out the puzzle that I was stuck on or whatever. <laughs> yeah. That, that, that damn water temple. Oh my goodness. Gosh, yeah. I, we, I remember I beat, Ocarina of Time right when the New Year's millennium happened. Like the t- the timer went down. <laughs> it was like it just beaten the game. It was oh, amazing. Wow. That's that's so that, incredible. Yeah. <laughs> Burned into my memory. Me and my sisters were like, yeah. <laughs> Cause they would watch me play. <laughs> oh wow. So, yeah. That's incredible. What a what an amazing uh what an amazing memory. And so, so you're at, you're at Full Sail. I, I went to Full Sail as well. So we do, we do share that in Winter Park, yeah. Florida. And, yeah. and I was in the, uh, I was in the film department, but every time I went over there to the uh, video game department, it is all just really, really heavy focus and a lot of work. What was your, what was your workload like? Oh, it was, it was insane. Uh <laughs> So you are correct. Uh, I I don't think I've probably worked as many consecutive hours like in real life versus <laughs> at full sale. So like they, you know, they're, they're trying to prepare you for like, you know, real world stuff. But honestly, I haven't. Uh, and maybe this is just I've been super fortunate to not have to deal with too much crunch or anything. Um, but yeah, I, I, I remember like to finish some of the projects that they give you. Um, I had stayed up for like 40 something hours straight. Like I remember just like eating, um, the like chocolate covered espresso beans, you know, (laughs) to like stay awake. Just like, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So like the work, the workload there was intense. I mean, it's like, you know, it's, you got the 40 hours of class, but then you also have like a final project every month to get done. And those are no joke. Like you have not a lot of hours in the day to try and finish those. Um, so yeah, it can be it can be pretty rough. Um, that 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 level of that level of focus and competition that that seems to agree with you. you it know? does. <laughs> yeah. You know I, that is like one of the reasons that I wanted to go there is because I was like, well, I know I can like 
you know, kick myself to do that type of stuff. Um, it's elite. It's it's like a challenge. <laughs> it's elite, you know. And and getting done in two years is is pretty great. Like you have you having a bachelor's in two years is is awesome. Uh, and I didn't. I wasn't one of those people that was like, I want the college experience. You know, it's like no, I just want to learn and I want to work and and get a job off of this. So awesome. <laughs> like, awesome. So then after right after that two year degree is in your hand, uh, what yeah. what happens? So, so basically I have a lot to thank for Full Sail, which is like, it's weird because I, I don't often like recommend the school specifically because it, it, it's definitely a choice based on wh- like what kind of person you are and how you work because it's so intense and it's expensive. And, and at, at this point, like you don't really need uh, uh, like a lot of that information is on internet, right? Like there's right, a lot right, of- right forums and and resources available to to learn this stuff um but again it's like if if you're the type of person who needs a a strict schedule who needs that like guidance or wants the one-on-one experience wants the peer experience too like your your friends that you make from full cell absolutely go to a school like or or if you need if you want to work internationally that's another thing it's like if you sometimes you need a i think I don't know. So don't quote me on this, but I think for to get like a visa, you have to have a bachelor's degree, I think. So yeah, that's I enough. think there's something to that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like there's all, you know, there, it's a choice to make. But anyways, full sale, I have a lot to thank for my very first job because um, you get so it, like once you're starting to, I think in the last couple months, they send you to a career advisor to um, review your portfolio and um, just ask about like what what your career goal is and, and who, like, what do you, who, what do you want to do? Who do you want to work for? Um, and Rob Coble was my career advisor and he was fantastic. Um, he basically, so they make you write down like, okay, what studios do you want to work for? And like, what's your, what's your plan? And so my plan was, I literally wrote down, uh, I want to work at 38 studios and my goal company is arena net. Wow. <laughs> I literally, so I took that to Rob Goble. I, t- I showed him my portfolio. He was impressed at the time. Um, I didn't have a lot, which is so, I mean, I, out of school, right? Like you don't have too much on your portfolio. Yeah. You have just your school projects or if any, you had any time, which full salad, you did not have a lot of personal time for, for extra projects. Um, so I just had like my, my school projects on there. Um, and he, so he basically was like, oh, you want to work at 38 Studios? I know someone who works at 38 Studios that used to go to full sale. Here's Ben Close's email. I'm going to cold contact him for you wow. and send him your stuff. And Ben reached back out to me and was like, hey, we're looking at um, associate environment artists. And would you like to do an art test? Just right out of the gate immediate. I was like, uh, yes, I do. Yeah. So I did an art test for them and they, they liked it enough to hire me. So I started working at 38 Studios a month or two after graduation because I, wow. I did yeah, <laughs> took some time off. I did. I did do like an internship with um, Jeff Parrott, who was the texture course director at the time. Um, well, he also did level design too, course director. Um, he works at Blizzard now, <laughs> so I, I, I interned like for a couple months and then just went right to Thirty Eight Studios from there. And yeah, that was that's that was my origin story. So again, it's like very. Uh, I'm very thankful for. Wholesale and Ron Coble and Ben Close for <laughs> yeah, believing in me. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and what was the first game that you worked on? Uh, so so well, I mean, it, technically it was Thirty Eight Studios uh, Project Copernicus. So I don't know if you know the the whole story of Thirty Eight Studios, but it didn't. Yeah, there's a, there's a, 
life is strange <laughs> a little yeah, scandal yeah. thing going on there yeah, yeah. that's a lot of that's a, that's a whole that's a whole podcast in itself but yeah right. okay. <laughs> um yeah it didn't end well so like i worked for them for like probably a year and a half i think um and then they ran out of money which is very common so that was my first experience with a having a you know grown-up job and b that grown-up job having <laughs> money problems yeah disintegrated yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so were yeah. you worried or oh, floundering yeah. a bit? Oh yeah. Cause I mean, I was new, like I'd only, I really only had a year and a half of experience. So that was, that was pretty terrifying actually. And it was pretty, pretty rough time just being like, what can I show? Um, fortunately because the studio was closing, they were, they were generous with us, like getting our portfolios ready. So we, we took a lot of, they, they allowed us to basically use anything that we could to put on our portfolios to get new jobs. And then one of the positives, I don't want to like make this be <laughs> like, it's not, it's not positive at all, but when a studio closes and people get hired elsewhere, you have, you, you have so many connections now at all of these other studios, any new job, I'm going, oh, you worked at their new studios. Like, and it was a big, it was a big company. So it's, it's, it's kind of fun hearing where everybody works now. There's a lot of people that work at Blizzard from 38 studios. And, and the other thing is that they'll do like, um, job fairs if it's if it's like a very heavy publicized layoff or closure job fairs will usually spring up around the area and mm. so bigger like other companies will just come in to kind of court the employees and, and try and get them on their feet so you get a lot of emails like a ton of recruiting emails just being like hey what are you looking for i will say i was nervous but at the same time there was a lot of there was a lot of help from just the community because it's so small and everybody really knows what like at this point, if you've been in the industry for 10 years or five years, even you've probably gone through some sort of layoff or some, you know, something transfer to, of some, some kind. Yeah. Yeah. So like everybody, you know, feels bad for those people. It's not, it's not fun. <laughs> a jump after 38 studios. Is that, is that something that you made a choice on? Like I'm definitely, I'm going to say no to these four options and I'm I really want to work in this in this zone and this you know. Yeah, company. so I told you when Full Sail told me or asked me to make my career plan that I wanted to go from 38 Studios to ArenaNet. Oh. <laughs> and that is what exactly I did. Exactly what you did. <laughs> but it wasn't honestly I wasn't like oh I want to apply there but I had played Guild Wars um and it, it was one of my favorite I love I loved you know, I loved WoW. I played more WoW than Guild Wars, honestly, because I had more friends in WoW. But I loved the look of Guild Wars. And I loved the way they were trying to be more artistic with their style. Um, they were yeah. doing a lot of paint, painterly things. So, and yeah, they had announced Guild Wars 2 at the time, which is funny because I was working on, so at 38 Studios, we were working on an MMO, which it would have been Guild Wars 2 the competitor to Guild Wars 2. That would have been hard. Yeah, <laughs> hard yeah. to, yeah, cause like, oh God, I love Guild Wars 2. Oh, I and it's a juggernaut, you know, it's a yeah. juggernaut. Yeah. yeah, they're still, they're still going strong. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so they had, um, gosh, I think it was, so yeah, NCSoft had an, an art fair. So it was um, ArenaNet and Paragon and Carbine representatives from those three came to just look at people's portfolios. And I guess they liked mine and I did an art test for them and I went over to ArenaNet and I had other like art tests in the work, but I, I just knew like, that's, that's my plan, I guess. <laughs> I'm working at ArenaNet and it just happened. Yeah. Wow. I went to <laughs> you have this kind of track 
that's already laid before you and these goals that you meet, I mean, when that opportunity comes, you're like, yeah, I know where I'm going. Yeah. It's, that's terrific. It, it, it does make it a lot easier to have that goalpost because you can then figure out, okay, if I'm not there yet, if they, so in the case that ArenaNet didn't hire me and I, I got turned down or something, yeah. at least I know like, okay, well, my portfolio isn't there yet. What are the things that I can do to make my portfolio get there? And you can often, sometimes they won't respond, but you can often ask them, what specifically didn't you like about my art test? Or uh, what are the things I can improve? And if they're a nice company, <laughs> then they will respond to you and give you that. Or if they have time, you know, a lot or of they times. Have time, it, yeah. That's yeah. a hard, that's a hard thing to, to yeah. reach back out. You know, a company like to... ArenaNet will get thousands of applications. So it's even just the environment manager. I, I can imagine that's a lot of work. To... A lot of work. <laughs> Working on Guild Wars 2, one of the challenges that you felt when you first got there or when you, uh, when you're working there? It was a little bit of a culture shock going from 38 Studios to ArenaNet, which is interesting. So they're, they're both good in their own way. So 38 Studios was very the energy that they had a lot of like energy in their meetings. I don't know if it's because of like startup or what, but then I went to a <laughs> arena and it was very focused, mm. right? Like they were like heads down. And this is probably because I st- actually, now that I'm thinking about it, it's probably because I started right when they were launching. So it mm. was like, we got to get this out the door, like focus time. So did it feel more corporate or did we're, we're at the really at the deadline already with you coming in. We just, we can't mess around. Was probably both a little bit of both because okay. um, Arena that's a it was bigger and 38 Studios was again like it was you know they were a startup so there's a lot of they haven't quite ironed out things right Arena right. had been around for a long time when I started I think 10 years at that point I, don't, I think maybe yeah. uh, probably how that goes right like you kind mm-hmm. of figure out what works and what doesn't work. So yeah, it was definitely like, oh wow, okay. Heads down focus at ArenaNet. And then gosh, we had Daniel Dochu, the famous famous artist. He, uh he was our art director for a while there. And gosh, his art direction was amazing. It was like he would come over to your desk. So like I worked on a lot of actually weapons for them. And sometimes he would come over to your desk with like pieces of cardboard because he was like a very visual describe like so he didn't really like a lot of times art director will like paint over your work or whatever he would do it like on your desk like he would bring over pieces of paper and just start doing and he had like these wide gesticulations for like his just you know his drawings of like oh, i want this weapon to be yeah like just all yeah. he would draw he would draw on my desk sometimes <laughs> like, wow. i want this dragon to be like this um so that was just he was he was super fun to work with and and he would never he would not mince words right like he would just tell it like it is like this is crap you know and and you kind of just have to like it's just work right it's not he's not saying you're crap <laughs> he's, he's just that's how he describes things so yeah it was, it was super fun to work with him yeah <laughs> that's terrific what a wonderful story when you were making these these environments and he would come over to your desk were you making them in in 3D Yes. And, uh, yeah. This is all Unity. Uh, no. So they. So at ArenaNet, they have a proprietary engine. So were you just creating these in three D environments, or were you also creating like uh, painting out the textures at the time? And he would come over and say, "I this is too dark. These aren't oh, the yeah. colors I want." He would kind of drift around the room. Like it depends. It, it just whatever. He would look over your shoulder or just pass through and be like, eh, I don't know about this. Or um and and ArenaNet actually had, which is 
funny because I was saying that arena nets it was more heads down and, and more controlled, but arena actually they actually gave their artists a lot more freedom. So mm-hmm. I I rarely worked from concepts that were do this exactly, make this exactly like this. The the way the concept department worked there is this if you've seen a lot of their concepts, they're not super detailed, right? Like they're more of like the mood and the bigger picture. And here's this grand building probably not going to look exactly like that and they don't want it to look exactly like that but what's the feeling that that concept gives you let's make an environment from that and you and really the environment artists had to kind of come up with like okay is that is that wood or is that you know and and daniel would help uh, shape that too but that's another thing that he would just be like wandering around being like oh okay maybe let's let's make it like this let's make you know like let's change the proportions of this to be something And, and his his just vision for for epic proportions is one of the things, like one of my main takeaways from him is just, he's got, he has that down. Uh, (laughs) Epic proportions for things, so. Wow. So after Guild Wars 2, you move on to work on other titles. And when you jump on these other titles, are you you brought on as the senior environmental artist? Uh, So ArenaNet, I I was just a mid- environment artist but i actually made weapons which is not typically an environment artist role um i did do some environment stuff with them for some of their like i did the the holiday stuff for guild wars 2 um oh, nice. the winter's day and halloween i made the moon <laughs> oh wow <laughs> moon um off of uh kick eyes original moon from guild wars 1 <laughs> so I, I sculpted that and made it um but yeah so i mean from Arena Net, I went over to Motiga as a senior. So that's where I got the the title change. Um, and that's that was mostly due to the fact that that team was super small. Arena Net's environment team was huge, like 30-ish or more people, which I say huge. Definitely, there's bigger teams than that. But for me, it was big. Yeah. <laughs> and it was big at 38 Studios, too. But Motiga was literally just me and Tomas. <laughs> um making all of it so that was a big change um and yeah you you get a lot more control um and then there's also sorry i I shouldn't have just said me and tomas there was also um sarah barish she was the concept artist so we worked from her concepts a lot yeah (laughs) that's fantastic but that's that's fantastic now did you prefer one over the other as far as uh team size um did you prefer the smaller team you know kind of leading the charge in in that in that force i think it i mean i think they both have their pros and cons i think me now definitely prefers the smaller team and just having a little bit more say Um, i know at the time i was like super nervous about it because again it was like you know it was a big change and i'm like do i have anything to say about this i don't know yet and and now i do like now i have yeah yeah Well, it's hard, right, to, to to jump from from that huge team to a smaller team and really find that voice of experience and really have the yes. confidence behind it, knowing that you got responsibilities. I mean, that's a huge on your, uh, responsibility on your shoulders. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, yeah, Motika was definitely like a learning experience for me, and I think it's funny because like all of the people that I used to work with at Motika have the same trait. Like, so we didn't have an art director at Motika. And they were very strict about like when they were hiring people, if they had a vision or if they had some sort of artistic feedback, like they wanted you to be able to provide feedback in on art stuff 
for any discipline because that lack of art direction and it was a lot harder to really be on the same page and 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 we had art meetings all the time just to make sure everybody's still on the same page and stuff's fitting in the game well so yeah <laughs> and, and, and 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 yeah i mean those those i bet those are You've got tons of stories from there. Could you share one with us? Like maybe one of the biggest uh, uh, hiccups or challenges that you you overcame and you you figured out? Like we had to, just for draw calls, um, we had to just re-UV like almost all of the levels, the the beginning levels. Because so before I had started there, there was another environment artist in Tomas um, and they made it very custom. They made a whole map super, super duper custom, which means like, nothing was modular it was all built in place and that looks fantastic right like because you can yeah you can like just very very specifically decay this one wall to be very specifically just there um but it ends up being a massive problem for performance or if any design changes happen it's just like okay well now we have to redo that whole piece so that was a pretty big challenge for us was like the very first map, which is, you know, it's it's funny because it's, it is my favorite looking map. I didn't really have too much to do with it, but the, gosh, I don't remember the actual name, but the Misforge map, <laughs> the, <laughs> the like green one, it's in the kind of foresty, but more yeah. of a ruin ruined forest yeah so that one was always a pain to have to update and 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 the uh, design was always kind of in flux there um just because it was a competitive game so a lot of those balance things were had to be really tight um and especially for collision too so yeah i would say that was probably one of our biggest challenges was (laughs) dealing with a non-modular map (laughs) and then from then on we always were like okay this is this is all modular stuff now like it's not going to look quite as custom, but that's okay. Like, well, you, you gotta, can still, you, gotta you can still work with it, right? I mean, the modulars, you know, you, you, one rock can can look like thirty different kind of rocks if you bend it. Absolutely, and shape it, you know? yeah, yeah. Um, and and it is a give and take, yeah, uh, from the performance side. You know, how the game yes. actually loads and all that. Yep, yep, totally. Um, the whole like draw call versus memory thing. I mean, it's a, it. This happens with literally every game in production. Like, there's always a point where you're like, "Oh, we gotta dial the back," <laughs> and it's usually environments are always a problem. <laughs> oh. I don't. I hate to say it, but you know, they they're big and they're a lot of the screen, and there's <laughs> <laughs> performance passes that need to happen. It's the least fun to do, but. Now, what part of the process is that performance pass? Is it continual or you make the environment and then they test it? How how does that work? Right. Uh, So ideally, you you have it a little bit in your mind as you're starting to make like prototypes or whatever. It's always should be kind of there in the back of your mind. But if it's impeding the art direction, that's when I usually am like, okay, let's let's stop thinking about the performance right now and just make it look as good as it possibly can right now just to to get this prototype how we want it. Um, but then middle of the production cycle, you start to think about really like what um, console or what platform it's going to be on. And that's when you can really, cause like each console kind of has a different performance requirement. Sure. Yeah. Like Switch yeah. is entirely different from PC. Like that's just going to be a thing. You're going to have to make a version that works on the switch um, and, and switch itself is different from Xbox and PlayStation. So they all handle things slightly differently. And so once you figure out where your platforms are actually going to be, if it's just PC, you have a little bit less to worry about. You still want to 
figure out like what your min spec is and make it work for that. And yeah, you basically get that platform. Usually the engineer will tell you, okay, we're over on memory. Like we need to figure that out. If it's texture memory or polygons on the screen or number of draw calls, there's different ways you can get each of those down. And it's it's like pulling a lever. If you pull one lever too much, the other one goes up. So you have to really equal them out. Like if you're overcompensating for too many draw calls, you're probably going to be upping the geo count. Like, <laughs> so there's just, yeah, it's always like a give and take. And, and ideally you're trying to make it look exactly the same, but <laughs> perform <laughs> much better. Right. Um, right. So yeah. It sounds, like it, a, sounds like a legend of Zelda puzzle. A little bit. It, it is a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's from the mid tier to the end. It's usually ongoing. Hopefully, <laughs> Hopefully not to the very end, because the very end you want to be doing bug, bug fixes and all that. Ideally, like middle of the road, you know what your your targets should be and that you're keeping in line with stuff. <laughs> Working with Outer Loop games? Yeah. Yeah, that's my current gig. I love yeah. them. How is that experience? How is how is it over there? Um, well, this has probably been my most positive. I mean, I, I actually have really liked everywhere that I've worked. and But this one, it's just... We are a very close, tight-knit team, and it's super diverse, and just the difference of everybody's backgrounds is fantastic. Like, honestly, um, Eka has put together a really great team, um, and I feel super supported there. So it's it's been great. <laughs> I've been oh, there for, I think, wonderful. yeah, like a year and a half now, so I'm very happy. <laughs> <laughs> And it's full-time remote. It's literally like the type of job I've been looking for. So after Motiga, I went freelance. You know, I'm, I just want to be in charge of my own schedule and my own pay. And, you know, so yeah. I, I struck out on my own doing freelance stuff. And I, I went from a lot of different contracts dur- during that time, but none of them were a full-time remote job. And then Eka contacted me through, I think he found me through Twitter. And I was like, oh, heck yes. Uh, I didn't play, I didn't play Falcon Age at the time. So, um, but I knew of it and I was like, this sounds like an awesome place to work. And so, yeah, it has been. (laughs) Yeah. And and Falcon Age is is a beautiful game. Absolutely beautiful. And it's, and it's so uh, wonderful in its diversity itself. And, And I think that's reflected in the staff, how many wonderful ideas that come to the table. It must be just a really great environment to work in. Absolutely. And it's, it is so important to have a diversity of staff to be, you can't really make diverse stories if you don't have a diverse staff, honestly. Um, And and Eka doesn't want to make the the same stories that everybody else is making. There are so many stories to tell from so many different perspectives, cultures, genders, and and we need to hear those stories. Yeah, Uh, they need, they need to come to the forefront. Um, and, and speaking, speaking in that vein, you are a, a female working in a male clustered uh, <laughs> field. What is that? What is that like in the uh, throughout your career? Has that been a challenge? Has that been uh, difficult? Um, well, so it's funny that you say that because I was I was fortunate to have like a Kari Sutherland was my very first lead at 38 Studio. So I had a woman lead like right That's out of the gate. Great. Which yeah. is fantastic. But then, yeah, after that, it was it's pretty much very male-focused, male-dominated leadership. Um, so, yeah, I, it's, it is it is kind of hard to not see more women represented in leadership. I hope that it increases over time. I, I will say that 
like none of my leads have been bad. I li- I liked all of my leads. Of <laughs> so of so even yeah. the, regardless of gender, they were all great people. Lisa, you are a female leader in the industry. You're also a mentor. And for the people out there that are trying to get into the video game industry, male or female, transgender or non-binary, they may feel a little intimidated. Do you have any advice for them? My experience is going to be completely different from someone who just got in the industry too, because the standards change so fast. Like I would say even my origin story, like that sounds like, like magic, honestly. Like how did that even happen? It was it's just pretty epic. I'll say. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, I, I don't know how to really repeat that for someone, but it's honestly like, I would, I would really try and pay attention to the people who just got hired a lot of the times like one person will get hired from somewhere and they'll bring their friends like it's very much about your network as crappy as that sounds most of the time people are like oh we're hiring for this position do you know anybody they're going to say they're friends or you know someone that they've most of the time it's going to be someone they've had direct contact with or yeah like i would just say get yourself out there don't be afraid to ask people questions like if someone dm me and like oh i need advice on stuff i would be absolutely happy to help like i've done that a couple times like people just randomly message me on art station be like how'd you do this or um but yeah obviously just you know obviously be respectful and and don't ghost after they after you ask for advice but don't yeah. be afraid to do that um because most of the time like everybody's really nice and we want to help people get in um so yeah i would <laughs> i would say that yeah okay great that's wonderful so so uh so it's a very supportive community and um and also uh if you come from uh, a diverse background or if you have opposite gender of, of the dominant force currently being hired, there are people that are in here right now ready to hire you, ready to support you. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And, and honestly, like when the other thing to think about is like, if you do get to the interview stage, you're interviewing them as well. Right. Like if, right. if there's, if, if you see red flags in the interview and, they make weird comments about, you know, background or, or gender or whatever, like that, that's probably not a good place to work. Um, <laughs> if they're saying that in their interview. Uh, so yeah, you, it's, it's something that you kind of have to pay attention to. Um, luckily I haven't had really that experience. Um, I think I've kind of been fortunate in that regard. So yeah, it's just, it's always like you are interviewing them as much as they're interviewing you. Like mm-hmm. ask about the company culture, ask about, why they don't have so many women hired. Are they trying to hire more women or, you know, mm, what do they, cool. what do they want their team to look like and why? <laughs> yeah. 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 That's great. Oh, what a wonder, what a wonderful piece of advice, Lisa. That's, that's, that's terrific. When you were first starting out, did you have any heroes, any female heroes that you looked up to, you know, within the industry? Um, see, so yeah, this is, I think this is part of the problem, right? It's like, I, a lot of the big names were all male, <laughs> but I also didn't like, again, I, I, I'm not someone who like super idolizes people either. So I don't even know if I could have named like some of the bigger names in the industry at the time. I don't, I didn't quite, Oh, here's a, here's a big person and, and kind of gravitate towards that. I was more like, I like art styles. <laughs> like, you know, I, I really liked, um, Oh, they, the way that this, game tried to push their art style so that's usually like what i would be gravitating towards and not the person who made that um but yeah and again like i don't know if there was that many 
it's hard to say if if I would have had even a, a male like a male person that I looked up to either. I still look up to like my my first boss, Kari. She's she's one of my favorite leads that I've ever had. Um, mm. <laughs> she was just very welcoming and and supportive and made me feel, like I was I was very junior, but she made me feel like I was super important, which felt nice. <laughs> yeah. That is nice. And and what do you feel is the best um, resource that has helped you along the way? Is it your is it your focus? Is it your drawing skill? Is it your natural curiosity for the outdoors? What 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 do you feel like is the best personal resource you've had that's helped hmm. you rise to this place? <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I I know I said networking is very important because I know most of my I feel like most of my jobs that I've actually taken have been from people recommending me. <laughs> so like, like personal that, connections not necessarily connection. yeah well i mean your portfolio is super important so yeah like that artistic eye is very important so i don't know i think it kind of all kind of snowballs into one <laughs> one big package right having the artistic background i think most of my the reason my portfolio stands out maybe is because i have more of that 2d side to things a lot of the times for stylized stuff it's heavy on the texture texturing versus sculpting so yeah <laughs> i like using really uh, bright colors and rich combinations of colors what's one thing you wish you had known at the beginning of all this that maybe you've learned through the process what's one thing you maybe have, you know if you could go back in time and tell yourself hey look out for this or remember this mm. uh, i would say that um hmm, working for an indie company is just as worthy and fulfilling as AAA. Because I think going out of school, I was like only considering like the big names. I think that's pretty common too, right? Because you're, you're, you're most of the time you're thinking of like, oh, I want to work on the next Blizzard game or whatever. Um, but gosh, I think I've, you know, the fulfillment that I've gotten out of working on the smaller games is is just as nice <laughs> as working on the big game that everybody's heard of, right? Like it's a it's a different... It depends on if you want <laughs> if you want that prestige or if you want the power or control over your own work and and just the, uh, more say in how the game ha- comes out or looks and <laughs> you just have yeah a there's a there's a pride and an integrity there I think yeah absolutely uh, in that leadership and and do you enjoy being a leader I mean obviously there's a, there's a pay difference obviously <laughs> sure yeah. uh, but but do you uh, as far as the job responsibilities and tasks and and being responsible for the you know the buck stopping with you and sure. and, and that um do you, do you enjoy being a leader or do you enjoy more being part of part of a team so I, that's kind of the perk of being on a smaller team is you get that ownership and and you get that leadership but you don't have as much to manage as far as like other people um you can still make the art like for me it's been very important to make sure that i'm still making art i'm still making the assets that go in the game because that's my favorite part (laughs) is to just zone out and be able to like sculpt a rock or make a tree um but then at the end of the day you're still you know you're in charge of the schedule and you got to make sure it gets done and it's up to the same quality Um, so a lot of my indie projects have just been, I'm the only 3D artist or I'm the only environment artist. So I don't, haven't had too much as far as like directing other people, but on Outer Loop, there's a little bit of a, there's another artist starting on the team right now while he, he was working on a different prototype. And so now he's on this team. And so it was kind of getting him 
just under the same art style as what we've been doing. And, and yeah, he's doing a great job. So I haven't had, honestly, I haven't had to manage him very much at all. Um, <laughs> so wow. it's been good. <laughs> That's terrific. Yeah. Is, uh, is there anything um, that you could maybe, and again, we don't want to spoil any NDAs sure. or get you in trouble <laughs> in any way or anything like that. Uh, but is there any uh, thing that maybe you could let us know what you're working on or uh, what's coming up next for Lisa Fleck? Oh, um, hmm. <laughs> I, we haven't quite announced much from Outer Loop, um, but I, I'm trying to remember, like, I think Echo maybe shared a little bit of, like, the process for the game that we're working on right now, um, but he hasn't said much else, <laughs> so I okay. can't quite tell you, but if you if you peek on the Outer Loop game's Twitter there might be an uh, image or two of an environment that I made. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. Well, well, we'll check that out for sure. Um, <laughs> and uh, and we appreciate it. And is there anything you'd like to promote or, um, or announce uh, oh, on, on no, the I have no promotion. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm just, you know, I'm just flying solo over here. I'm just making my own <laughs> freelance stuff and, yeah, not not oh. really. <laughs> no books or anything. <laughs> uh, it's been a wonderful, wonderful uh, conversation. <laughs> Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. And we hope you have a wonderful day. And we're going to continue uh, following and tracking all the wonderful things that you work on and uh, the games you contribute to because you're just an incredible talent. And we're so excited to see more. Oh, thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. And, uh, and have a great day. Thanks. You too.